Welcome back. This is episode two of the Prepared Mindset podcast. I'm your host, Austin. I'm back this week. I have Sam with me in studio. Uh, Sam's been working on this project with me basically since we came we came up with the idea together. What's up? Hello. <laughs> so, uh, we, I mean, it's been like months of planning. We talked about this like last calendar year and then uh, kind of just pushed towards getting this put together with everything that's going on right now. Um, and I talked about that a lot in last week's episode. Uh, but what I want to kind of do this week is talk about you, uh, your experience. Uh, you were in the military for a little bit and that actually lends, I'll be honest with you, has lended a lot to me because I learned a shitload from you about, you know, uh, shooting and being prepared and a bunch of stuff I really didn't think I was ever going to need or use. And you made some pretty compelling arguments early on <laughs> that led me to, I'll be honest, to spend a bunch of money, not all that I needed to, um, which is kind of what we're we're going after here, you know, like being prepared. You know, you don't have to spend a ton of money. You shouldn't spend a ton of money to do it. You should spend as much as you need to, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, not. I agree. Uh, and well, okay, you can spend more. I mean, it's, it can be fun, right? But you get cool points, you know, if you have like the the latest, uh, you know, whatever's hot at the moment. Oh yeah, all for the gram, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's. Uh, I mean, let's talk about you. Uh, let's let's start like um, we've known each other <laughs> uh, fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. yeah since high school, Sam and I were in high school marching band together. That's where we met. We were instantly great friends. That's that's a lie. We were not great friends to start off with, and uh, no, actually, I'm pretty sure we hated each other for the first few years. Yeah, there was a there was some issues there. <laughs> I do remember there being some issues. Uh, those of you listening that know me, oh, I'm sure that's so hard to imagine. But um, you know, we uh, we did band together, and then a little bit after high school. Um, and really kind of, uh, reconnected once you got out of the service, actually, mm-hmm. yep. when about the time I was starting to get into firearms in general and, uh, didn't know basically anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it was, it was nice for me having, you know, when I had moved back to Michigan, I had just gotten out of the, uh, the military. So, um, for, for six years, that was the, the culture that I was around Right. And, you know, once once you're in that environment for for multiple years, you don't just you don't just turn it off immediately and go back to civilian life. Right. You, know, you still have like the, the lingering militarisms and everything. So um, when I moved back and then I found out, oh, you're, you're into guns also. <laughs> right. Like, you know, right. This is cool. Well, and then, you know, we after a couple of discussions, it got into like, OK, well, what about all this other stuff? Yeah, like, it, it yeah. does go deeper than just owning a gun um you know I, I know one of the first things you talked about was oh dude we should go rucking together like what's, what's yeah. rucking? like oh what the hell is rucking? yeah it's like well man it's really fun you're gonna you're gonna pack up a bunch of heavy stuff <laughs> in a backpack and then you're gonna go walk around for a while i'm like god uh, that doesn't sound fun you're like no nah, dude it's it's really not but we'll do it we still haven't but uh we're, we're going to so when you got so when you started, uh, you were in the Air Force, right? Yes. Okay. So take us through that. I mean, I know I can remember it was like 2010-ish. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, we were doing some band-related stuff. And I remember you answering the phone. It was like a recruiter and stuff. You were like all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really 
after that was all done for that season, I kind of lost touch with you. So, yep. What what uh, what pushed you to that? Let's let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So, I have uh, many family members that I've served in the military, and for me, it was kind of just like natural natural progression. You know, my dad served, my aunt served, my uncle served, See, cousins. See, I met your dad. I did not know that your dad served. Was he in the Air Force as well? Uh, Navy. Navy. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. And my father-in-law was in the Navy for, I think, I think he did the four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, I believe he was an electrician or, uh, ooh, he's, he's going to kill me. So he got an actual skill, unlike me. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he does a lot of work in uh, heating, ventilation, and cooling, I think. And I, yeah, no, that's actually what he does for a living now uh, nice. pretty nice. successfully. Um, and then I have a brother-in-law who's also in the Air Force. I think he's I'm not really sure. I think he's a gunner of some kind mm-hmm. in like a large aircraft. He recently posted a video of him loading like a shell into something that looked like a very large cannon <laughs> um, and him talking about how much he loves his job. So yeah, good for him, man. That's yeah. awesome. Right. You love what you do. You, you'll never work a day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I walked in the recruiter's office and my plan was to go uh door to door until i found something that i liked the very first door was air force <laughs> and uh you know they had all these like uh cool posters up it's not science fiction you know really trying to like sell it and um yeah man i was a sucker first I was like, one yeah dude sign me up man and uh i had signed up initially for um pararescue to be a, a medic, P- oh, PJ, uh, PJ. PJ, yeah. Dude, those guys are the yeah. real. I've recently, since we've been on lockdown for COVID, uh, I've been reading a lot. You yeah. know, um, and but be honest with you, once we got out of high school, I know you, you graduated a couple years behind me, but yeah. basically once we left high school, I did the first couple of years, you know, college and everything. But once I finished college, by the last five years, dude, mm-hmm. I haven't read anything. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. articles online, no books. Right. We got on lockdown. My wife is a huge reader. Mm-hmm. Decided like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And like, first thing I picked up was uh, James Mattis's book, you know, mm, and I'm like, all nice, right, nice. you know, I started getting some other stuff with mm-hmm. like uh, Clint Emerson and uh, Matt Best. Yep. And uh, then I think there was another one, uh, the second Chris Pronto book, which is just a bunch of stories about Rangers and, mm. but also just exceptional people. And uh, they, he does talk about uh, PJs in there. And I had no idea, like those guys are the real deal the, like the, amount, dudes, of, man. the yeah. amount of training that has to go into that i didn't yeah. even realize i just thought they were medics that went yeah. to airborne school right it's so much more than that yeah so the the pipeline alone you know it's two to three years and uh recruiters are so full of shit like when when, <laughs> when i went in there uh you know it's like oh yeah man they got this this job called pararescue and i'm like oh, that sounds cool so um how long is the training he's like oh two weeks man i can do anything for two weeks sign me up <laughs> you know? seriously he told you to <laughs> yeah, be a, two weeks so i mean is yeah when he said two weeks he was talking about basic or, or no else. no he was like you you go to pj training for two weeks and then you get your beret and i was thinking well hell i can do anything for two weeks and he so, signed me up man uh yeah he was so full of crap nice guy though but of um, course he's just, a nice yeah, guy just totally just full of it so i ended up um, you know, getting shipped off to basic and everything, mm-hmm. uh, did air force basic, which is totally stupid. You fold clothes, get yelled at and run. That's, That's that is air force. That basic is, training. I, from what I've read, I'm reading the book right now by, uh, Robert O'Neill. Yep. He's the, the seal that, mm. uh, killed bin Laden. Right. And he talks about uh, Navy basic the same way. So you're really good at folding. Yeah, you fold, you fold a lot of clothes. If it can be folded, 
you fold it, <laughs> yeah. and that's basically he, he talks you about. He's pretty boots, sure he actually gained weight right. during basic um, for the Navy. Yeah, you actually don't work out that much, which is crazy to me because I, I would think that that they do starve you though. As somebody who's never you know wasn't in the service, right. I when I hear boot camp, I'm like, yeah, they just you guys get in like excellent shape and stuff. <laughs> I had a friend a couple of years ago that came back from uh, from boot, and she was about the same looking person. I mean, she's a little better shape, right? You know, right, right. Not not anything uh, world changing the way that I think a lot of people yeah. imagine it is. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of people lose weight because they just don't feed you that much. So like your first <laughs> your first week of basic, you know, you you put all this food on your tray, right? The second you sit down, they probably give you like, okay, you've got two seconds to eat. And then they start yelling at you to get up. And that that's that's first week of basic. And that was just basic, right? That wasn't any kind of specialized school. No, that's just, just everyone goes through it. There's nothing special. And, uh, you know, as the the weeks go on, they, you know, they loosen the reins a little bit. And um, sure. you get the hang of it. It's, it's really, it's not difficult at all. So after you got, I mean, you did the thing at boot. I mean, everybody yep. does. So yep. how did you, because you didn't end up being a PJ. No, so uh, after um, basic training, I went to... Uh, where was it? Medina, uh, Medina Annex in Texas. And that was where I started the, um, the pipeline for PJ. Um, my recruiter telling him, of course, I, you know, it's ultimately my fault cause I should have done my research, but me oh, being, you were signing up for, yeah, right. me being, you know, young and stupid, I figured, well, hell man, you know, why not? Why not just sign up? Send me now. So I, I could swim and I could run, but I couldn't swim like a PJ and run like a PJ. Like I, I barely worked out going into it. So I made it about three weeks and then ended up getting, uh, I got canned, man. Oh, you didn't make it. Oh no, <laughs> no way. Uh, no. So, um, so I, I ended up getting canned and then like, you know, I'm walking to the commander's office cause I'm going to put in my, my packet for, for like separation or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And on my way to the commander's office, actually, yeah, I, I walked in his office, packet in hand, and um, in there was a TACP cadre. TACP stands for Tactical Air Control Party. Um, I'll, I'll get into it later, what they do. But in there was a TACP instructor or cadre, as they call it, and his name was um, uh, Israel Del Toro, and he's well-known in the TACP community. Uh, the man was... Um, very, very badly injured overseas, scars, burns from head to toe. And I walked into the office and I, I saw Del Toro. Del Toro saw me. Not to be rude, I was, I was goddamn terrified. Oh, wow. Um, and he said, Hey, you want to be attacked, P? That was, that was it. Like, and then that was it. That was that it. Was it. <laughs> I was, sure, man. <laughs> Just, just as stupid as I was with the, uh, the you know, the recruiter, like, sign me up. But, I mean, hey, it Let's worked out, it. right? I mean, no, you had, it ended up yeah. working out, and I ended up making it through the, the TACP schoolhouse. See, and and, I've never heard this story about how yeah. you actually ended up where you, this is, <laughs> yeah. to be honest, this is, like, far less enchanting than I thought. It was like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, I was reading these books from my early childhood, and I always knew. Like, no, no, I just, no, it's uh, just an idiot. I just signed up for the first it. thing yeah. twice in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so, as a... Attack P, what was your primary function? So a TAC P's job excuse me, is to direct um, close air support, which is 
I'm going to keep everything very simple to understand here. So uh, think of it, it's an airstrike. So some type of munition that's coming off of a fixed or rotary wing aircraft. And it's, it's uh, striking close to where friendly forces might be. Okay. So, you know, so if you've got like a group of infantry guys and, and they're, you know, shooting whoever they're shooting, they're, they're in a confrontation with someone like, let's say, 70 meters away from them. And, uh, and they're requesting air. A TAC-P has the, the ability to, to get bombs on target. So. Safely. So, right. Yeah, right. yeah that's Primary the goal. word there. Right. Uh, so I'm assuming then probably a lot of time, a lot of training, a lot of just real focus mm-hmm. on things like land navigation, mm-hmm. uh, map reading. Yes. Um, you know, these skills that if you talk about preparation at its fundamental levels uh some of these things you can do for no money right i mean um, very little yeah yeah exactly and i think that it's kind of underrated a lot of people we talk about uh bugging out right that's right that's a big thing right uh is here you know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go up north you know uh again for those of you that don't know in michigan if you head up to northern michigan we just call basically anything above the state capital up north and Mm -hmm. it's a very general term um most people just say, yeah, I'll go bug out up north. There's nobody up there except there actually are people there. And so feed off berries and fish. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Until you get up there and realize whatever food you have doesn't you know, last that long. Or, right, and you actually don't know how to live off the land. Or, or if you're forced off of a normal, you know, you can't just take 75 for whatever reason. You know, right. uh, being able to fi- figure out where you're at and, you know, hey, maybe your vehicle dies. What are you going to do? Just walk along the side of the road? I mean, yeah. yes, that's that's you could do that, right? Yeah, hey, you know, but that could also like, get somewhere. Uh, make you a pretty easy target in right. the middle of nowhere with no vehicle, right? Yeah. So the the uh, fundamental skills of attack P navigation was huge. Map reading was huge. You know, our, our main job was to get ammunition from an aircraft to the ground in a safe manner, right? And right. and have the have so the, the, the impact be effective. Key. Yeah, so you need to be able to look at a map, know where you are, mm-hmm. know where the friendlies are, where is the target, um, where's my aircraft or or, air, or aircrafts, right? So not even if you have knowing necessarily multiple where, on station. Not even necessarily then knowing where you are, but being able to explain to somebody else where and, they are and how yes. to get to either and, you or to where this yes. other point is. So. And that's another huge aspect. In order for a TAC-P to actually give clearance um, you know, to, to an aircraft, you need to be talking to the ground commander. I don't want to get too much into it because a lot of people would just... Yeah. It, it's a, it's a very deep topic. It's real deep. But uh, you know, you're, you're working with the, the army mainly. And it's, it's the army's battle space. It's not your battle space. So... If you want to get rounds off an aircraft onto a target, you need to be talking to the ground commander, and that ground commander, you know, ideally should should be should have the final say of yes, I want uh, bombs on target or sure. or no. Uh, so being able to communicate effectively, uh, and I think that's very something important. that again, it's another one of those things that's really overlooked, and I am still learning a lot of that. Is just communication things like radios um 
the the map reading aspect mm-hmm. of a lot of it uh it's really i think it's underrated and more uh radius is huge also. It, it is yeah uh I think it's something that's communication in general is underrated in today's world. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to be compl- not to get too far off topic, but right. I think living in today's uh, technical era where you can just type a message to somebody, you can just shoot off an email. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's it is it's replaced a lot of communication, and in, absolutely, you know, with this lockdown, it's been a godsend. But you know, it, if you take us back six months ago when we weren't really thinking about this. It really, it, it's starting to become a crutch, mm-hmm. you know, uh, face-to-face communication, personable skills, um, you know, is really something that I think is starting to be a diminished value. Um, so being able to communicate effectively is important. Um, and that's both sending and receiving, you know, uh, yes. reading things like body language. Again, yes. You know, it's, you got to be able to look at some certain things, you know, read a room, uh, mm-hmm. read an area, understand what what's going on. And I think it's a lot of people, you know, we talk about um, book smart versus street smart. Right. It's almost like right. be that street smart sort of thing with your preparation. You need to understand where you're going, what it's like. You know, if you are going someplace far out of the way, do you know how to communicate there? Mm-hmm. Is it a different language? I mean, Canadian isn't really a different language. It's just like, uh, <laughs> hey, how are you doing, A? Dude, I was in Florida for a while, and there are some parts of Florida where, like, if, if you don't speak Spanish, oh, you're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're no, up shit I, creek, we, man. We went um, years ago on a family vacation at Disney, and my mother speaks uh, fluent Spanish, you know, like a right. dialect and everything, because she was taught by her mother and grandmother, and my grandmother's actually from Mexico, so... And she didn't, as far as back as I can remember, she was, so my great-grandmother, I don't think I ever heard the woman say a word in English. Mm. I don't, and so she learned growing up how to speak it, so um, <clears throat> she was always able to communicate while we were down there, and the couple places we went that were outside of, like, Disney and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you had Spanish-speaking uh, individuals or, you know, or, or Mexican, if it's a dialect, I guess you want to call it. But right. But it's huge, and I think a lot of people really overlook it, but... So getting back to it, mm-hmm. so your job was to call in the the air support and everything. When they is that something that's it's just you you learn it by doing, right? I mean, is this something that it requires an intense amount of uh, personal instruction, or is it here's the fundamentals and you just have to practice it? Uh, yes. So when um, so after. Okay, so just to clarify, when you're in the schoolhouse, they don't actually teach you how to control aircraft, right? right. The schoolhouse, <laughs> it's mainly just, you know, uh, a lot of, like, you do learn, you know, radio basics, land navigation basics, sure. how to, how, you know, how to shoot a little bit better, but they're not going to teach you how to, you know, put, uh, put bombs on target. Once you get to, you graduate the schoolhouse and then you go to your unit, that's when they start like really going into um, a lot of these fundamentals mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's intimidating because yeah, there, there's a lot to learn. So we, um we would have a, a book. Oh geez. It's been a while. It was called the, um, the, the J pub joint, joint publication, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> well, the J pub is like the, the Bible of, the rules of airstrikes, right? And then you would have another book called the J Fire, and the J Fire was the um, additional guidance. So think of it, and if you know law, you have rules, and then you have guidance. Sure. Uh, yeah. So same thing, but for airstrikes. And you know, there there's some 
Oh, there's a lot of content in there, man. So it, it takes several years to to get really good at it. Yeah. And, and it takes a lot of practice, a lot of training. And, um, you know, depending on the unit that you go to, it may not have um, as much funding as another unit. So you got to be crafty with, with with your training. Sure. So yeah. if, if that's something, you know, what's real, uh, I don't want to say real world. Uh, civilian world right applicable right and this is something you want to figure out how to get better at i mean is this something you just a map and compass and just like go for it yeah or? so um so applying these skills to civilian world uh now obviously i will not be calling in any airstrikes anytime soon <laughs> in the not. civilian world <laughs> right but when it comes to things such as firearm skills um, land navigation, vehicle navigation, yeah. uh, e- even w- in business, communication, mm-hmm. confidence, yeah. um, having a presence, right? Like, things, things such as that, they, they do still transfer. Oh, for sure. Uh, and also I would say the most important thing is, um, um, mindset, the mindset that you get from, uh, you know, from years of training in the service, it can definitely benefit uh, an individual once they're back into the civilian world. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that that's something that confidence is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, something that's really overlooked um, is just building confidence, right? Because yes. nothing's comfortable the first time that you do it. Right. So whether that's land navigation or sh- <laughs> shooting, mm-hmm. you know, how many people? I was actually out um, <clears throat> last weekend. Uh, with some friends, uh, we went out for a, uh, for a birthday. Mm. Uh, they rented like two pontoon boats and we're out there. We're just talking. One of the guys goes, yeah, you know, with everything going on, I went out and bought a gun. I go, right. Good for you, man. So mm-hmm. what'd you get? Oh, it's just a handgun. I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah, dude, I'm cool. with that. Yeah. What kind? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, okay. So. All right. Hey, Let's man, talk about like, training. <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing on my mouth was you should really practice with that before you think about using it. Yeah. You know, and that's not a, yeah, that's the thing is a lot of people, I think when you say that to them, they get like uh, kind of upset or offended right. almost. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to go, you know, practice with it. But I mean, for even for guys like you and I, mm-hmm. you know, you have, uh, you have small kids at home and yes. a job and mm-hmm. a wife and other stuff going on. I have a dog. And stuff, that, um, yeah. you know. So <laughs> that, that's that's those are things. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, you know, it's you don't. It's not always that easy to find time, right, to go right. and hit the range or the money for it. Honestly, I mean, especially yeah. now with the ammo prices. Oh my god, man! Being, uh, I think you know, right now uh, I found online a box of like. And actually, I have one behind me here. Uh, just the Sig brand nine uh, millimeter hollow points. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. the hollow points are a little more expensive. Normally, they're like twenty twenty five bucks for about. 25 of them mm. um it's up to 40 bucks now yeah and yeah, uh sig brand, sig brand isn't even like you know top list most people want right. like hornady or spear right yeah yeah and it's like oh okay you know um but I, I i really do think you know uh people need to be you need to build confidence with things uh like the a firearm you mm-hmm. have to especially if you're gonna it, the life altering consequences that come with that you need to be prepared for that like huge when 
do you present a fire? I mean, you guys had yes. stuff like that in the service too, right? Rules of engagement. There's absolutely even in the civilian world. We don't call it that, but it's like, right. But we, there are, there are similar things. You know, you, uh, every state has its own, um, its own laws surrounding right. these sort of things. Um, and it can get like really convoluted. It really, when mm-hmm. you look state to state and that's why, right. Um, you like, see right like now, when can you draw your, your, your firearm or even what can you have in terms of, I don't want to call it an accessory, but, you have to look at things like some states don't let you have hollow point ammunition. Mm. Some don't let you have more than 10 rounds in the magazine. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different, I mean, like Michigan, for example, and then uh, like my wife, Lexi, has family in Illinois. Mm-hmm. We went a couple of years to go visit her grandma a couple of years ago. Yeah, which we don't have reciprocity in. We don't. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people that don't have either looked at it or don't understand, um, or even these people that were up and up until recent events that pushed them towards wanting a firearm for protection. Um, what, you know, what are these people, why do they want reciprocity? Why does it matter? This is just, you know, this is us taking a step back on gun laws. Well, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it it is, but it really isn't. Um, I think that with something that's so important, like personal protection, uh, you know, it's, you need to, enable people to be able to protect themselves no i'm not i'm not right i don't want to see anybody do anything crazy you know but no we always hope for the best exactly and i think that reciprocity would be a long way or a, a large step it would do a lot to uh make it easier for people to be prepared you mm-hmm. know you don't have to worry about am i a, if you are somebody that travels a what's lot, what's it called constitutional carry is that the term that that goes with that. I think that that's more than just like being able to carry concealed without having to have a permit or something. Oh, okay. Um, which, you know, not I don't even want to get into that. You know, right. Politics right now. Right, it's right. like you damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's you have to know when to to use your firearm and training like okay, and let's well, not mince words here. Concealed carry classes suck for teaching you how to use your firearm. I know when I took mine, I actually, and he was a great guy. He taught us the material that he's required to teach us Mm -hmm. by the government. At that point, you're already six, eight hours in. And all you got to do is put like 20 rounds on a piece eight and a half by 11, which is okay. That's not a bad standard. But in my opinion, while also teaching those laws, you should have either like a partner class that goes with it, like maybe the next weekend or something where you teach things like grip and trigger mm-hmm. pull yes. and sight alignment and stance, you know, you don't, I mean, cause I think when we did, it was like 10 feet and you like I said, 20 rounds on a piece of paper. Right, it really right. wasn't that bad. Like my dad, I don't think had ever shot a handgun and he did great, which, Hey, good for you, dad. Like I feel, I feel good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah, maybe, man. Maybe it's like a family thing. Maybe I'll get better one of these days. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I just, and it's not even like raising the standard of performance so much as raising the standard of education. You mm-hmm. know, you have to be prepared to use that. And that's, you know, you see all those stupid signs like, oh yeah, can, you know, carry is promoted here. Judicious marksmanship is appreciated. <laughs> and you're like, ha, ah, hey, yeah, that's funny. It, except that it's not. Right. You know, you have to know what you're getting ready to do. Yeah, I, th- I think one thing that'll help that is, and I'm, I've, I've been seeing it the past few years, um, the gun community, if you want to call it that, has has become a bit more um, open and embracing. 
Yeah. You know, there, there was a time I, I recall where, um, you know, your, your standard gun guy was the old, angry, white Republican dude. They're still around. <laughs> They're still around, them. man. They're still out there. Yeah, but it, you know, now it seems like um, more people are getting interested in firearms, which is, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, we definitely want the the knowledge and the education and the training to to yeah. be available for everyone, so everyone can. Uh, yeah, own I, firearms and safely. I think to that point, the younger generation is really, well, I don't want to say younger, we're not children, but, you know, the, the not so angry, oh, white Republican. <laughs> right. uh, you know, I mean, but really, you, you look at social media has been huge for this, both good and bad. There's yeah. a lot of good and bad exposure to it, but spreading that message, you've also kind of seen uh, in probably the last, well, probably the last 20 years ish. You see it drift from, you know, a uh, very atypical white male carrying a 1911 right. uh, or uh, one of those old steel frame Smith & Wessons. Uh, where I can't even know what it is. Um, so today you, you jump forward and it's, you know, you see a lot of Glock. You see a lot of SIG. Uh, a yeah, lot of, yeah. You know, them plastic guns right, uh, right. that were frowned upon previously. And I feel like you, you kind of have to look at it from the 80s until like 2005 because mm-hmm. you, you kind of just have to cut out the whole assault weapons ban era, 90, or 94 to 2004, yeah. because it puts such a, uh, like a uh, handicap on, on firearms purchasing. Right. It's like once those became available again, it was like you had all this interest building and then all of a sudden everything was available again. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was saying, you know, I think social media, things just like this podcast available on Spotify hey. <laughs> are... <laughs> Uh, are great for for learning. Um, you you can learn a lot, but you got to be able to, you're willing to put the time in, um, and that's consuming the content. And I know we've talked a lot about this, mm-hmm. but really looking at the content is is it quality? Because I I remember when we first started talking, when you got back into into Michigan, you'd gotten out of the service. Yeah. You and your wife. I don't even know if you had your uh, first kid yet. You guys moved I had, back up here. From I had Georgia. two children. When I got out, yeah. I feel like I should know that. I feel like as, <laughs> as your friend, I should know that. But so yeah, I remember, I remember you were at. Uh, it was when me and my twin brother were living together, still in his house. Uh-huh. And you came over, and you were carrying like a Glock twenty two or something in forty, I think. Yeah, and I was probably. Like, oh, dude, I, like I just bought like a nine millimeter shield or yeah. something. I'm like, it was my first gun. I think I had, I might have had my full size Gen one M and P at that point. Uh-huh. I was like, dude, should I, should I have a forty instead? <laughs> like, is this is it not good enough? And I had so many questions. There were so many, you know, so many things out there. You know, I, I remember I was always trying to buy, do it on the cheap, right? right everyone's right. That's everyone's thing. They're like, dude, do I spend a bunch of money for this? And I mean, yes, but no. Um, I definitely did the wrong thing. And I, was, I think I told you about a lot of this stuff too, as I did it. I was like, yeah, I bought this new optic. Like, cost me like 60 bucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, man, cool. Cool, now you're going to buy a new optic in (laughs) about six months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that's what you want, you know. Yeah. Um, And I think that everyone could really benefit from that, honestly, is you see this stuff online. Um, I'm not saying you got to go out and get an EOTech. I'm saying it to you as somebody who owns an EOTech. (laughs) You also shouldn't get, um, I don't know, what's a a pretty standard store-bought, like a True Glow. Dude, yeah, I've actually gotten some some good True Glow products, man. So well, no, their sites, <laughs> the, the, their irons aren't bad. Like right. the fiber optic irons right. and stuff aren't bad for. I got a, a, a bow release, um, 
you know, like the thing you like you grab the string with with the oh, yeah, Bow yeah. True Glow brand. Yeah, yeah. the thing's awesome. Yeah, but their red dots suck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, you know what? Honestly, I say that, and I think they've come out with a new line in the last couple of years. It's a little bit better. It might. It, it looks very similar to some of the Holosun stuff. Um, which is good. We really right. like Hollow Sun. Um, yeah. For those of you listening that are looking for a reliable, uh, budget-friendly, I don't want to say bu- budget line, but budget-friendly optic, I, I do recommend checking out Hollow Sun, uh, you know, either for a red dot for a rifle or uh, like a reflex sight on a pistol, uh, especially the pistol optics. Now, you and I have talked about that a mm-hmm. lot. Like, right. I mean, let's be fair. Everyone wants the Gucci stuff. You see it. You're like, man. That's pretty yeah. sick. There is something to be said about buy once, cry once. Yeah, it took me a while to learn that. I'll be real yeah. honest with you, man. I, uh, I, I I learned through pain myself. Yep. You know, because I tried doing the whole wall. Well, just I'll just start cheap. Yep. And then and I'll uh, just know, build it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And then you get halfway through it, and you're like, "This is never going to be what I want." <laughs> I did that. I bought. Uh, and then you sell it, and then you buy something a little bit nicer, oh, no, but so it's yeah, not nice enough. I didn't even sell it. I just kept it and kept oh, going. Oh, yeah. that's. Uh, I, I did that with. I bought a Canic TP9 uh, SF Elite. I was like, "It was a sweet gun, though." No, I it like it. Good, yeah. Um, and my wife actually shoots it a lot, and she likes it. Uh, I bought it because like, well, this is just like clock 19 but <laughs> but it's but not. it's got <laughs> it's got the aftermarket sights already with the blacked out rears like I right, like. Right. it's got the front serrations yeah like i really wanted it's kind of two-tone looks pretty cool and i like I said, it is it's a cool gun it's if you guys haven't tried it uh i recommend tra- trying if your range has one the trigger on those things is phenomenal it's, for, it's a good trigger for the price for you're a 400 yeah. gun it's yeah amazing. man it's, it's good um but i own that thing for like not even a year and then uh and then you probably tried to conceal carrying it once. Yep. Yep. I carry that slide is so heavy. Like it's like they took like a like a bastardized version of a Walther P2 <laughs> right. slide. It's so heavy. Yeah. And I've and I've successfully carried my Glock 19 concealed. Right. Maybe it was the holster. Which or whatever, a, which but. a lot of guys can do comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had this phase where I would just try to carry the biggest gun I could shove in my pants. I do <laughs> remember your 1911 <laughs> yeah, phase. Man. I do remember that. Like, I was like, that I'm, can't I'm be not a big dude. I like I've got a pretty small frame. Right. You know, I was shocked when you you showed up in my house. We were hanging <laughs> out. And I'm like, so what are you carrying? You're like, yeah, check out this 1911 I got. <laughs> Yeah. I think you traded something for it. I was like, let me whip this wait, boat so anchor out of my pants. And you, <laughs> you went back like a hundred years. You went from like a Glock to a 1911. And it was, I mean, Hey, I'm not hating on 1911s. I, they're cool guns. They're America's gun. I mean, honestly, yeah, if you're a goddamn right, if you're a real gun owner. You should own. If a Jesus Christ could only choose one, it'd pistol, be a 45. It'd be a gosh darn 1911. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a 45, 45 ACP. Cause 45 kills your soul. <laughs> no, I, and that's you know the caliber debate is something that I like. I love and hate. Actually, I talked to a right. buddy, um, to a buddy of mine the other day uh, about the podcast, and uh, he's big on hunting, mm. so he, he's just starting to kind of like ease into some of the the I don't even call it the tactical world, but yeah. the defense shooting oriented things. Mm-hmm. And he listened and he kind of messaged me. He's like, "So you don't like not, uh, 380? I'm like, "Well, it's something. It's not that it's bad, <laughs> but I mean, I I prefer nine millimeter 380. Yeah. I know maybe it's because of the shape of the cartridge. Uh, I, they have reliability issues." I have huge hands, and you know when I was buying my first gun, that uh, that larger framed uh, shield EZ that just came out, yeah, whatever, yeah. wasn't a thing. All the 380 guns are like little pocket pistols. Right. Like I think the people who get questioned the most are the 40 caliber guys. I think that's you know, probably it's like, right. It's like, what's up with this dude? Well, I think <laughs> the people that really love 40 are uh, either current or retired uh, 
police, police, law enforcement. Yeah, just because they, they, you know, use on the job, now. right? Yep. Um, and they're comfortable with it. Or if that's what they just grew up shooting. Hey, if you're comfortable with it, hey, more power to you. Yeah, um, absolutely. You can find 40 caliber handguns right now. Uh, Dude, pretty cheap, pretty man. Cheap. Well, like, okay. like Smith & Wesson, you uh, used MMPs. To, until and, the, yeah. the, the lockdown happened. And oh, right, right. And in. then everyone started buying they every didn't firearm available. They did what caliber it was. Yeah. As long as it wasn't a 22. And even then, I'm pretty sure guys are buying up 22. Yeah. Um, you know, people didn't, they're just going to buy whatever it is. And I'll figure out how to shoot it later. Right. Um, I've only shot 40 a handful of times. I really didn't enjoy it as much uh, as nine millimeter. Um, it's just a preference thing, but you know, it, it, if you're comfortable with it and really modern ballistics being what they are, if you look 380 to nine millimeter, is it a step up? Yeah. Is it enough that I would say you're putting yourself in danger by carrying one versus the other? Not necessarily, you know, uh, now if you're looking at a, a 380 versus a 45 yeah right a, but i i sure as shit wouldn't want to get shot with 380 no i i wouldn't either <laughs> um and the one thing i try to explain to everybody um and this is one of the conversations you and i had very early on as well uh was there's there's a give and take right so the yep. great part about nine millimeter in my opinion and why i like it and why you know you opted for nine millimeter mm-hmm. is capacity mm-hmm. there's less recoil so your second follow-up yeah. shot like I remember specifically saying, I'm not that great of a shot yet, so right. I'm going to need that second or third shot to make it count. You know, So is it, do I want a 17-round M&P or a 15-round you know, uh, a Glock 19? Or I want that 7-round 1911? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think 9mm, they do fall in that sweet spot of it's got decent capacity, it's got um, you know decent power to it. It's And the ammo is... Well, was uh, pretty plentiful, pretty cheap too. If you look at right. all things considered, right? Um, I, I highly recommend it. I mean, I carry right now the uh, the forty three X from Glock. Uh, yeah, I got those really nice Shield Arms magazines now too. So, because mm. um, I was buying it, you had already had your your Sig the three sixty five. Yeah, right? yeah. I picked carry. up the the P three sixty five, which I still carry to this day. I'm I like it a lot. Right, and I was very jealous because I was still carrying like my eight round shield. And you came, you came to hang out, and we were looking at it. And you're like, yeah, man, I can fit this extended magazine here. Like fifteen right, rounds. Right, do fifteen rounds. I was like, wait a minute. Mag. So that yeah. little thing, and I'm like, look at my Glock 19. I'm like, man, this isn't fair. You yeah, know, I'm just thinking about it, and honestly, the the first thing that came to my mind was, uh, if you remember, Men in Black in the 90s. Oh, the noisy, the, the noisy cricket. cricket. <laughs> That's what I thought of when you showed me that gun. I was like, this isn't fair, dude. I'm going to break this damn thing. <laughs> right, exactly. So, and that was, and I'll be honest with you, when I uh, went to look at it, I knew it was either going to be the 43X yep. or it was going to be the P365. Yeah, which both are excellent. And um, honestly, it's just because the Glock, you know, I like the angle on the 19. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit similar, but it's a little bit longer grip frame. Yeah. Um, I guess I have big, big hands, man. So I, right. uh, I opted for that, but, uh, it's there's a great gun. Do there's, and that's starting to be the trend, right? You saw the, uh, Springfield Hellcat is oh, like 14 yeah. plus one or something. It's like one more, it is, than, I think a it's one more than 365 and, Just, and then they do the optics cut on top. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you're starting to see that a lot more. I know the 365 yes. XL. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. That one's got the optics SIG. cut as well. So, um, so let's kind of bring it full circle here, not yeah, to be sure. one of those people. <laughs> uh, so you spend a lot of time in the service. You learned mm-hmm. a lot of different stuff. You know, you talked about shooting, uh, the land navigation. How does that really come back to where you're at today? Um, I'm sure you probably don't practice land nav as much. Uh, uh, no, but I, I do 
I do still um, do land nav as a hobby. Which I, I happen have to, to get really enjoy it. One of these days, we're going to have to get out. and Because yep. we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. And there's always, you know, for those of you listening that are in your mid-20s and you say you'll never see yourself being so busy you can't do the things you want to do. Right. Just wait, man. Because uh, once you get married, your time is not your own. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not really complaining. Like, I love my wife. She lets me do pretty much whatever I want. But do, you know, like... Oh, no, I'm married. Kids. I've got three kids. Well, but know. I mean, like, dude, the time just... Where does it go? You know, with work and everything, and right. you're tired. And even right now, I work at, we both work desk jobs. Right, It's yep. kind of mentally draining. At the end of the day, you're like, I don't... I mean, sometimes you want to run out the door, but it's just like, where you yeah. don't have time. The, the way that I've been doing it as a father is um, I include my children and that was gonna be my with, question with what i do and that's honestly important you know i think uh what you can do to prepare your family is just mm-hmm. as important it's it's a part of you yourself being prepared yes so much as uh, i'm sure as a parent and even as adults now uh is you worry about your loved ones mm-hmm. you know like i when I, I used to go away and teach uh marching band camps for a right. week that would right. leave my wife here home alone you know uh worry about her safety honestly mm-hmm. here's a story uh about how she got her first gun mm. um we were dating and she had an apartment at the time and i had just got my uh cpl i had just okay. I, had, I had my shield and you know i kind of got real into it so i bought the m and p and then i had a shotgun and i was like okay you know whatever like yeah cool man um she lived in an apartment and i remember her calling me calling me or texting me i can't remember specifics on that one night because she had neighbors upstairs that would fight a lot. Mm. And this one night mm. she's hearing stuff getting broken. And then she hears the the woman just scream out bloody murder about someone help me. Oh my God, somebody help me. Somebody oh, call it like, you know, like really screaming for right. help. And I don't think anything, I don't think it was a murder or anything like that. But I mean, obviously that was a bad situation. And in, we see now in more and more on the media and stuff when that kind of thing happens, you don't know if you're around how quickly you get pulled into it or not. I freaked out because mm-hmm. I, you know, I was concerned about her. So the first thing I, I talked to her, I was like, Hey, I'd really feel better if you went and bought a gun. Yeah. She goes, well, you know, I'm not really, I don't really think he'd come down and do anything to me. I'm like, well, you let's not, not, let's not plan for best case. Right, let's right. hope for the best case and plan and prepare for, the, for worst. the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So we went out to a couple and this was just a couple years ago. I think five years ago, we'd, we'd been together a little bit over a year at this point, almost two years. And she wound up getting, ugh, I tried talking her out of it. She got a Springfield XD. Gross. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But she, uh, she liked the way it felt. And at that time, I was like, you know what? I want you to be as comfortable with this decision as possible. So we went to, we had a hard time finding um, carry guns at that particular point. I don't know what was, I can't remember what was going on in the world. But um, she checked out a, a Beretta Pico at Gander Mountain over mm. here when that was still uh, around. Didn't care for that. The trigger was very bad in that one, mm. I remember. Um, she tried uh, the salesman's uh, Glock 43, mm-hmm. and she was okay with that. But she really liked the the Springfield. Like, okay, if, I, if that's Dude, what she wants, yeah, it's it, your money, right? If, if it, you're comfortable, it fits in her that. hands. She shoots well with mm-hmm. it. You know, well, and at that point, on. she liked that it had the backstrap safety, 1911 style. You know, so right. was, mm-hmm. she was concerned with that. And I mean, we're kind of of a similar mindset. I'm not super concerned with uh like thumb safeties and and palm safeties i mean they have a they have an application yes i 100 percent agree is it how i'm going to base my buying off of 
probably not unless it's something you know, uh, very small or very specific where I don't know I'm going to have it in a holster. Like I don't mm-hmm. carry off body. I don't have it. Like my, my office is a, not a pro gun office. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to be carrying it in like a briefcase or a duffel or anything where the trigger might be exposed or anything like that. Yep. Um, but as long as you practice good manual of arms, good trigger discipline. Yeah. If, if you train, it's not a big deal. And that's the important thing is that it, and training is, it's more than just shooting paper, right? You know, it's and having a the confidence to carry the loaded chamber. That's always one that takes people like months right. to get over is that fear of what right. goes off. Yeah, especially if they're carrying a gun that doesn't have a manual safety on it. Right, it's and, just the trigger yeah. safety. Like my, yeah. <laughs> my shield, I remember for the first six months, I was like, oh, man. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I, yeah, know, especially rocking appendix carry, you know, for the first time. Well, luckily, I'm fat and I don't have that problem. <laughs> um but I mean, you know, you worry about it and then eventually you just, you get comfortable with it and then you rack that round and then you go out to the mall or wherever yep. you're at yep. and you just, you build that, that comfort level with it. Yeah. You definitely need a, a good holster if, yes. if you're going down that route. And that's, I, that's what kills me. You see so many people that they go out and they buy a $500 Glock, like a good gun, a SIG, yeah. um, you know, and they make a good purchase mm-hmm. and then like, okay, well I'm going to buy this $20 holster. That's right. Like, well, right. I get it, man. You are still... some some like floppy cloth. Yeah, something. And I, and I yeah. get it. You know, you I mean you just dropped like five, six hundred bucks on a gun. Yeah, so and you, you don't have another hundred bucks to dump on, right, to, on, on a, a holster on a good yeah. Kydex holster or, or or even a leather like a good leather right. one. You know, I get it, but, but it'll, it's really it'll one save of you because yeah. like that that is on a firearm like a Glock. Mm-hmm. The holster is the safety. Yeah, you know, and, and also like you know your your trigger discipline, you're, you're keeping your finger off the trigger and everything. But when it is when it is in your your pants concealed, mm-hmm. uh, you know it it is the holster that's blocking and protecting that trigger from being pulled. Yeah, and I think that that's a huge that's a huge uh, point because you don't really need that lever for your thumb. You don't really need that that palm safety if you have a good quality holster that's keeping right. the, the fire controls away from your yep. finger. And, uh, I, you know, I just I wish more people understood that. I know the first holster I went out and bought, I think it was a Kydex, but it was, like, outside the waistband. You know, I'm not – I'll yeah. never be able to carry inside the waistband. That's just ridiculous. I'll just get – I'll go replace my whole wardrobe instead with larger shirts that cover it. Which is, that <laughs> yeah. Dumb. I think everyone goes through that. Yeah, they they don't they uh, yeah. can't imagine that they'll be able to carry a, a pistol in their waistband. And you know what? With the way stuff is now, it's not that uncomfortable. It really isn't. No, if if you get the the right size gun that you know that's good with your body type, it's not a big deal. Like when I was carrying a 1911, um, dude, it sucked. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, am, I am sure that was probably the least. I'm pretty sure thing. some people are like, oh, I carry 1911 every single day for the last X amount of years, dude. Good for you, man. Rock on. Um, but for me, it was just, it, it got so annoying that I just wouldn't carry. Well, and so you talk about being comfortable, like physically comfortable, mentally comfortable with it. Yeah, like, yeah. If it is that big of a hindrance to you, you are not going to leave the house with it. You know no, mean, man, like, especially if you got like three screaming kids and you're just trying to get them if off it's just to, one more thing that's off getting, to whatever. Yeah, and, that's going to ruin your day. You're like, oh, I got to carry this thing around. Yeah, screw that. You know? Yeah, you know, so it's like if you can just throw it in your holster and it's, yeah, it's a little bit extra weight, but if it's comfortable to carry, you're not, you, you're, you're not going to mind. So it's going to be an easier right. decision for you to look at. Right. Um, just want to throw it out there. The, the dad carry, the fanny pack carry, it, it does come in handy sometimes. 
I disagree. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're going to the beach. You've got the kids. No, okay. So you know. I mean, yeah, for you it makes sense. Yeah. I know the first time you showed up that thing, I was like, bro, <laughs> who did you steal that it's fanny pack from? It's super nerdy, yeah. But I mean, you showed me, and you like, okay, so you have the fanny pack for when you're like in full dad mode, right? Uh, right. I mean, so you, I'm assuming firearm. You got your backup magazine. Yes. What else do you carry? So if I'm rocking dad carry, which is fanny pack carry. Uh, you know, typically it's because it's hot outside mm-hmm. and I'm either wearing some type of uh, gym shorts or like we're going to the beach as a family, things like sure. that. So in, in the fanny pack, you know, I'll have uh, my P365, an extra 15 round magazine, my keys, a flashlight. I usually I prefer carrying headlamps. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, kind, I'm just kind of weird like that. Like I, I like Hey, headlamps hands off is good yeah you that's, know i think yeah. the the headlamp thing is weird personally but you yeah know, a compelling argument you know <laughs> yeah. i have the uh yeah the, the thumb ring for mine right so i can right. uh use both hands or you, know, you flip it over so you can get both yeah. hands on the gun if you needed to yeah uh, i think that having a separate you know a separate light from if you have one on your firearm is uh is a good a good idea absolutely i think absolutely. that uh if you guys check out, there's a stand-up special on Netflix right now. Mm. Uh, Bert Kreischer's, um, I think it's called Hey Big Boy. And he talks about buying. Dude, yeah, that one's really yeah, good. He, yeah, he uh, talks about buying a Glock. And <laughs> yeah. uh, he gets a flashlight for it. And he goes, you know, the problem with my flashlight is it's got a gun attached to it. <laughs> yeah. And you laugh because you can just imagine this big, fat, drunk guy walking around, <laughs> waving around his Glock, trying to find his keys in the middle of his front yard. <laughs> but, I mean, you come back down to earth a little bit, you think about it. You don't, I mean, one of the four rules of firearm safety is you don't point it at anything you're not ready to destroy no, you should it have should a separate never be yeah. a search tool yeah i mean unless exactly. you know for a fact i mean it's a little bit different if you're in your home something and goes bump in the night yeah and you're and you're, yeah i get that yeah use common sense but i mean but like you're, you're outside and you just took your your family on a day trip and now it's it's getting dark out you're not gonna whip your gun out and start yeah. You know, hey, you know, lighten it up. I, don't know, I can't. What's your son's name? Timmy? Johnny, Todd. Like, Todd, <laughs> yeah. hey, Todd, where are you? Yeah, let me just pull my gun <laughs> out here. Pull my gun out and yeah. light you up. No, man. So for me, the the headlamp is usually... So what I found is if I am in the situation where I need to light something up, I typically also need to use both my hands. Right. Um, and then just for me, like, like I said, I've, I've got kids, right? So let's say I take the kids somewhere for the day. And you know we're there all day, and now we're we're coming we're coming back, and it's, you gotta it's dark all out. Three back together. Yeah, I gotta wrangle all three back, man. Like, dude, I'm rocking my headlight. Yeah, no, you I'm know? sure that's because yeah. I've got you know I'm ho- I've got a kid on my shoulders, a kid on my right hand, a kid in my left hand. You know, right. You know, and that's and that's the thing is that it's it really is specific to your lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's something more people could probably again you do the research on it. You know, talk to other people. I think that just talking to other people in the in the community or if you have a friend who's a a police officer former law enforcement former military uh you know or just another gun enthusiast uh just because i mean what they do doesn't fit what you do it's it's all good information right Right. and just Um, because it's not on instagram and being you know highlighted by social media doesn't mean that it's bad or it's wrong well i mean in in the same light i will say that just 
uh, and this isn't a dig at anyone, uh, but just because somebody was former military doesn't mean whatever they say is gospel either. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what were you issued in the military? You had like an M4, which is like an AR. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Colt. You're pretty standard Colt, setup in the uh, M4, and then we had the um, M9 Beretta, which I still hate to this day. But right. a lot of people really like it, and good for them. Well, I mean, if you were in the service and that was what you were trained on, and you you know you were a uh, you know a mechanic. Right. And your buddy comes up after, you know, you're out of the service. Hey, man, what kind of gun should I buy? Like, hey, you know, we I learned how to shoot on a Beretta. You, they're great guns. You should pick them up. And that's yeah. not a, a dig at Beretta. I know a lot of, you said a lot of folks really like them. Dude, a lot of, yeah, um, a lot of people but, love. I mean, they're uh, heavy. Nice. They are expensive. Right. Uh, you know, it's just not your ideal. I I probably, I mean, I, I would buy one only because I really, really like uh, Lethal Weapon. And uh, mm. that's Mel Gibson's uh, piece that, of that choice. Was, yeah, yeah, that was his. Yeah, um, so that was his pistol. That would probably be it. And he but, he did the appendix uh, carry with no holster and everything. Oh, Mexican carry. Yeah, dude. And I can say that it's not racist. I can say <laughs> it. I am Mexican. Um, that's what I've heard it called. Is which I mean, again, you should never do that unless you like absolutely have to transport it and need your hand free or something. Like, it's not recommended. Don't shove it in the front of your pants, the side, the back. Like, have have a holster it. for have it. Have a yeah. holster. And I know. Uh, and that's one of the guns that had, uh, because it was a military pistol, right? It had the safety lever. There was yep. also a decocker or yep. something, mm-hmm. which was a problem under stress and a bunch. I mean, it's just, it's not a bad firearm if you train with it. Right. But not and same real. thing. Yeah. Same thing could be said with a lot of other firearms. You know, oh, yeah. a lot I of mean, it does come down to, to training. Yeah. I mean the whole decocker thing, that's your, your double single action. So I, I recommend striker fired stuff to new people. Like, listen, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Stupid right yeah you know the kiss method if you want something different later fine but in a stress situation last thing you want to do is be fighting with your safety because you don't train with your firearm right i mean and and speaking of the training dry fire huge right i think it's a lot of people kind of undervalue it but we've talked a lot about it very uh, important you know on the the instagram page if you guys are on instagram it's at prepared mindset pod prepared underscore mindset underscore pod uh we talk about it and we got a lot of different ideas that we've looked into done some research on or or continuing to research especially because right now um i don't know about the range out by you that you visit on the normal the one here is still not open their showroom is open or um the sales floor mine was open last week yeah i went there and got some rounds see and i'm kind of some rounds out i need to go but at the same time like ooh. You know, that means I have to replace that ammo with more ammo. And right. And ammo space. That's it right yeah, now. Exponentially yeah. cheaper price. And you know, and that's the thing is people who are new and they don't want to spend a bunch of money on this yet. Dude, dry fire is the best way to build mm-hmm. confidence. Mm-hmm. It's the best way to build form and technique, you know, with a, yes. a cleared weapon, obviously. But uh, it's it's a really, really good tool. The only thing you don't work on with dry firing um, for the recoil those, management. It, exactly. And those yeah. that don't know, uh, dry firing is just pulling the trigger with no ammo in the gun. You can work on stuff like sight alignment. You can work on stuff like grip. Manual of arms. Exactly. Manual of arms, meaning, you know, how do I make it work, basically? Yeah. And I, yep. I I don't like saying this to people, but it's true. You buy a first gun, go home and play with your gun. Oh, dude, hell yeah. yeah. I mean, make sure there's no live ammo around. Be safe, but, of course. But yeah, play with it. Learn what it is to rack yeah. the slide, lock yeah, it absolutely. back. Flip your safety on and off. And a lot of this stuff works better once you break it in too. So mm-hmm. if you do it a couple hundred times, those springs get a little bit softer. Uh, right. You know, the safety switch gets a little bit, you may want to be super loose, but it gets a little bit easier. And you, fi- you figure out what's the fast way to do it, what's the best way to do mm-hmm. it. 
you know, you don't want to flip that safety on or off when yeah. you don't mean to. So being being prepared with all that is is incredibly huge. Yes. Um, and I think that uh, you know more people should embrace it because I mean, yeah, it's hard to get to the range. You you know, when do you have time? Ten thirty at night. Well, you know when right. you can dry fire anytime you want. Mm-hmm. We got a basement, whatever. Uh, there's a couple good books. I have the Ben Stoger book, uh, which is geared more, admittedly, towards competition shooting. But, hey, it, it's all relative, right? You don't have to use all of it. I'm not going to be running across my basement doing speed reloads and everything. But, no. Uh, okay. But, you know, a lot of that stuff to build your sight alignment, uh, just to work on your mental processing, It it's all good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So that wraps up this week's episode uh we're gonna be looking to try and get a couple more out in the next couple weeks here you guys stick with us i know we have a couple coming up they're already mapped out and planned uh let your friends know about the podcast uh get get the likes up get the follows up check out the instagram page keep following us uh until next time it's been austin and sam signing off you guys stay prepared